You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No days off. No. The Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This you microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Mr.comer on WEEI.com. Uh, reviewing the sixth Patriots OTA of the spring, second open to the media. Andy Hart and I were both there. We got our wish. I guess one of those instances where you, uh, Speak your mind, you get what you want. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, you bitch, and sometimes you are rewarded. <laughs> that was the case, I guess. We were both there today. So we, we both can bring our perspective instead of you just uh, taking my word for it. Which is safer for me because okay. I don't. I told you, it's not personal. I don't trust anyone else's eyes. Nobody. I, never, I didn't used to trust Paul Perillo when I worked with him. I don't trust you. I don't trust Giardi. Nobody. People that arrive late, people that come early, anybody. So, uh... Based on what you saw today, were we right with what we said from the first session? Um, yeah, I mean, I got to be honest. The Mac Jones, little, small, whatever the, the narrative was, didn't I didn't notice it. But I think that could have been one of those things where because I knew it, I, you know what I mean? Like, right. Because he's not it's not like he's five, nine. You know, he's 5'9", 160 pounds, and you're like J.J. Taylor or something. Oh, my God, he's the smallest guy on the field. So I, he didn't stand out to me as overly small. Um, the, I mean, the thing that my takeaway, we'll get into Cam Newton, but the my takeaway and what I blogged, but I still think if you're just basing it solely on four guys are going to go out there, they're going to throw the ball. Who throws the ball the best? I still think it's Jarrett Stidham, uh, like of those four guys. And – I thought he had also the best practice in terms of completing said passes and being somewhat productive. Um, Cause there were some takeaways of Mac Jones is the best thrower of the football in this group of four guys on the field. I didn't see that. And I saw, you know, I know people are very defensive. His arm is strong enough and blah, blah, blah. I'm sure it is. But I mean, there was a throw today to like the right sideline that was late, low, short, like, yep looked like a guy with a stronger arm, maybe gets it there quicker and more on a line drive kind of thing. So, but again, there, there's not a lot you can take from shorts. And like I was talking with, speaking of Paul Perillo, our, one of our favorite guests on this podcast, obviously. Just for um, Mike Giardi says no. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he was, he was talking, like there was some 11 on 11 stuff where um, the defense was more energetic. They were dominating, but the pass rush was sort of getting in the quarterback's face and, it's like, well, nobody has pads on. We're not supposed to be hitting, but like the guys are flying off the, the edge like they are rushing the passer. 
you know, the tackles aren't supposed to like punch them and right. So how realistic actually is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a weird environment. Like I've, I always said, like when I was in high school and college, I hated half speed or just uppers or like, cause there's always that weird, are you going at the same speed I am? Are we right? You know, the old phrase is brother-in-lawing it where, you know, an offensive lineman and a D lineman will sort of agree like what level they're playing at competing at, but like, it just creates a weird dynamic. And that's why you end up focusing mostly just on quarterbacks, wide receivers, catching the ball, throwing the, like the things that are, you know, somewhat um, measurable or, or notable. So, but let's get into Cam Newton. Cam Newton was out there. He was the number one quarterback. I'm going to say, because their first 11 on 11 drills, he was the number one guy in a center. He was Cam Newton dancing. He was Cam Newton chattering around, making noise. And then in a quarterback's drill, something happened to his right hand. Maybe he hit it on a helmet. I, I don't know exactly what happened, but. Yeah, Mike Reese threw out there that it might have been the, the bag when they were throwing it at the quarterback. Like Right, it was something in a drill where he heard his right throwing hand, spent a lot of time with Jim Whalen, the trainer. I think there was a doctor even over there. Talked to McDaniels. Robert Kraft talked to him at one point, gave him a little pat on the back. But he didn't do anything the rest of the day. And he certainly was not. Um, up his energetic self, like he was clear, clearly affected by what happened, downtrodden or despondent, like his head was down the whole time and stayed off by himself, watching practice from behind, wasn't even with the other couple quarterbacks who weren't in drills. He was sort of off to himself. Now, I guess there's been a report already that no, yeah, no, Karen Gregan of the Herald said that nothing's been broken and they're doing more tests. So, I guess that's a positive, I guess. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, he's not going to be in a cast tomorrow, I guess, but you still don't really know. Because there's uh, ligaments, like there's a lot of stuff involved there. Right, and and we were in, we were talking about it, you and I, as we kind of left the, he stayed on the practice field, and, you know, is that because they knew it wasn't major? Is that because they knew nothing was going to change in that hour span between going into the training room? Like, is it going to be a, a worse look if he left the field where people made a big deal about it? Like, there's right. always things to consider, especially the way the Patriots operate. And then I'm going to throw a question out there that I threw out. If Cam Newton says he's hurt and he's going to miss, let's just throw in you know, a month, two months, whatever. It's going to, is that good or bad for the Patriots? Bad. Why? Because I think best case scenario for the Patriots is Cam Newton starts week one and kind of allows Mac Jones to go at his own pace. Um, I Funny, you and Fitzy must think alike. Cause I did two hours with Fitzy last night and he said the same thing. Best case scenario is Cam Newton starts Cam Newton, blah, blah. I, that may be the second best scenario. In my opinion, the best case scenario is well, he wins the job. He yes, starts yes. week one. He's, you know, some combination of Andrew Luck, Drew Bledsoe, Justin Herbert, yes. Ben Ruffles. Best case, best case scenario is Mac Jones blows everybody's doors off between now and training camp. He's ready to start. Right. I'm looking at it from a more realistic standpoint and what I've seen so far and that, that's probably not going to be the case. That's not saying Mac Jones is behind or anything like that. Just I don't think he's at that point where he's ready to blow anybody's doors off and, you know, earn the starting job right away for what he did over the summer. Just so you know, this is a common argument, these best-case scenario, worst-case scenario. I believe on our afternoon show for a year, there was a best-case scenario argument, what that really means. And I can tell you, when Isaiah Wynn was drafted by the Patriots, my former boss, Fred Kirsch, said, well, worst case scenario is they got a Pro Bowl guard. And I go, no, worst case scenario is he blows. And in two years, you realize you blew the pit. Like, right. 
So people throw around these best case, worst case scenario terms. Um, it's not ideal because quite frankly, they want to have four quarterbacks competing. I think at the very least they wanted Cam Newton as the worst case scenario. Like if, if nothing goes well, we can put him out there. It, it was awful last year. What Josh talked about this week, like the unique situation he was thrown in, it won't be that unique again. Everything else right. is better. So worst case scenario, we, we put a guy out there who, I don't know, went seven and eight as a starter was practically 500 with limited talent around him was, you know, in the postseason hunt, there was a path late in the year. And if you lose that and now you go, well, I really hope Mac Jones is ready. Cause otherwise are we Stidham? Are we Hoyer? Like what, what, what's going on? We're back to last year or some weirdness. So I don't know. I don't want to make too much of it, um, but it was yeah, obviously for all we know, it could be on the field next week and it's not. Yeah. I mean, it could be, or it could be, Maybe he dislocated like a pinky and they popped it back in, but it still hurt. And they're just making sure there's no other damage or right. could be absolutely anything. And honestly, like, does it really matter if he's not out there like for the rest of OTAs and, and comes back come training camp? Like I think the bigger scenario that's bad is if he's not out there come the end of July, like if he misses the next two weeks, whatever it is, does it really matter? I don't know that it really matters, but, you're giving him the pass for last year based on he didn't have an offseason. But I'm didn't... saying missing two weeks of OTAs isn't a pass. No, but it's it's like it's it's certainly less than ideal. Like you want him out yeah. there with every rep, every whatever, new receivers, even though not everybody's out there, but you know, get some time with Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Henry. Well, you could say you already got that. Like he got whatever it's been, three weeks of it. Yeah, but if three weeks is good, then five weeks is better. Right, right. Obviously, it's not perfect, but it's not like a detriment is what I'm trying to say. Um, I don't know if detriment, if it's a detriment, that's the word, but it's not, it's not the, the sky is not falling. Right. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's, assuming it's not a long-term issue that, I mean, yeah. this, this happens with teams, right? Like a guy or, you know, Hunter Henry, we joked about, remember Hunter Henry got hurt in this time of year three years ago, whatever year that was, he sort of joked about it. He loves this time of year, except for that one year when it was awful and cost him a season, or, you know, you get a random quarterback, you know, maybe bigger than Cam Newton and it changes the whole team's complexion or they're like scrambling to trade for somebody or, or find another passer. I don't want to jump to conclusions. I don't think it was ideal that the, the, the emotion he showed or lack there like, my biggest concern isn't the physicality, isn't he didn't finish practice. It's how he looked. And maybe he's just a really emotional guy. Oh, no, no, no. Check that. We know he's a really emotional yeah. guy. But how despondent he looked, I didn't love that. So you would have liked to see him still being that rah-rah guy that he usually is. Yeah, just like, I don't know. You've seen that before with players where their body, they don't, they, the same thing happens. Some, they get dinged up. But their body language, their attitude, they stay with their teammates. They stay with it like there's and it's clear like, oh, they're just being cautious. They don't want to. He was off to the side with his head down, almost sulking. Like you remember at one point he had his hands on his head like he's almost yeah. like, oh, my God, what's going on? Like, but we've also seen who was the player. They had a wide receiver about four years ago in training camp who everybody he, he had a knee injury everybody and their brother came over like tapped him on the head nick casario bill and you're like oh he clearly blew his acl or tore his achilles he's done for the year and he was like 
on the practice field the following oh, just- it was door set yeah like so you don't want to read too much into those types of things but then sometimes there's something to be read into those types of things so we'll right. see right uh mac jones i guess he had an up and down day i don't want to get into the stats we don't do stats around nope. here nope um but he the majority of his passes in the teamwork the seven on seven eleven on elevens were checkdowns. i don't know what you want to make of that but that's that's what it doesn't it, what bother it me because I, I think that's probably what you're kind of hoping happens. Like you're run the ball, play defense, run, run. Okay, Mac, it's third and three. We need you to hit James White. We need you to hit, hopefully not Jakob Johnson, because he's not going to catch it if you hit him based on today. Um, you know, Hunter Henry's going to run a little quick curl or something. You hit him. Again, that didn't work out because he actually hit Kyle Van Oy in the chest instead of Hunter Henry in the chest in that situation. But there was a lot of rumblings um, from the PFW Patriots uh, unfiltered crew about like, ah, it's nothing. Everything's short, nothing. And I'm like, I think that's kind of how they're going to play with an occasional bomb to your guy or something, you know, soften them up and occasionally go deep to Aguilar or something. But don't, aren't we sort of expecting run the ball, short passing game, conservative offense? Yeah. I don't think that's a problem for, I don't think that's an issue of Mac Jones is doing that. Like that's his job. Kind of what Josh said yesterday, what, got them on their radar because he took care of the ball. He played, he won games and he played in the SEC. Like they don't want him throwing the ball 40 yards down the field, throwing an interception. Like they want these smart decisions to sort of keep them in games like Tom Brady was early in his career. Now that's where I get into though. Okay. You had a little five yard curl from Henry. You threw behind him and it hit the linebacker in the chest, or you had a little seven yard out from the far hash. You got to get the ball there. Like if you're only going to make, you know, it's one thing if you're throwing it 30, 40 times and you miss one, but you hit one like, but if it's conservative, then everyone matters even more because it's, it's just that fine line between winning and losing. But again, it's shorts, it's t-shirts, it's early June. It's, you know, his first acclimation into everything. In the right. We don't even know what they've done the last two days this week. And I guess we should also mention he had a sleeve on his calf, seemed to be yep. favoring it a little bit early on. I'm not saying like it's a major thing at all, but just something to, if we're, we're you know, putting everything together, that's something to bring up. Like he had a sleeve on his calf and he might be dealing with something. Yes, that was, uh, I give you credit. You pointed that out first. Now, I wouldn't have noticed it because I might have just assumed he had the stupid sleeve on his calf all the time. Um, but yes, he had a sleeve on his right calf. And I think you did see, I don't want to call it a limp. Yeah, he wasn't limping, but he, Favorite it at times, not all the time, but you could tell it was something that was on his mind. Guys get sore. Guys have little tweaks and th- like, I'm not going to make a big deal about that. Now I will say if it, if it, le- if it leads into something, okay, then now Cam's missing some time and Mac is missing some time and that gets less than ideal. We and saw I- what happened last year when Jared Siddham missed two days of practice. All of a sudden the quarterback competition was over. Right. And and it was seen as a shot against Stidham. Like, oh, he couldn't even hold up. And, you know, there were reports that he went to the hospital and all these very, like all that stuff. So, yeah, if there was any, obviously Cam bears watching, but if there was anything today that was, I don't want to say laughable because that's not fair, but the fact that Nikhil Harry um, was not out there is. Give the guy a break. You could have had a personal matter. He's got to be out there. He's done nothing in two years. He's dinged up all the time. It's like make or break time, poop or get off the pot time. And at least for my purposes, the first time I'm out there, oh, son of a bitch, no Nikhil Harry. Hardly ever see that. Like, it's just, it's almost laughable. Well, it's par for the course of him too, because he always seems to, 
like the last whatever it's two years, he'd have like a great practice, and then the next day he'd either be not out there or a bad practice. Like right. it just goes along with what it's been for him since his, his started his career. He, and, he missed he misses time at the at the wrong times. And I'm a big believer that for so many things, like I wrote a column for Jason Tatum. I think his biggest key is consistency, finding consistency, not having 60 and then having an 0 for 7 first half the next night, like finding that. Cons- I think that's what makes you a good pro. It makes you a reliable, you know, Belichick's thing is reliability. I mean, availability, but I also think reliability, like you can't just be out. Oh, you're healthy. That's great. You're out there. I need to know what I'm going to get from you. I need to, and he just has not been able to establish that. And this is supposed to be like big year three. Like this is the time make or break. Like the, the footwork King was talking about how hard they were going to work this offseason on confidence and rebuilding him and all these things. And then it's like sad trombone. He's not out there. Did you come away with them needing more at that position? Needing more? Yeah, like they need to go out and add somebody else. Well, they added Marvin Hall. Yes, I don't think Marvin Hall will be uh, – no offense to Marvin Hall, but I don't think he'll be uh, a big factor in this season. Uh, yeah, I think – and I include the tight ends in this a little bit, but I think the most overblown thing is like their retooled weapons and like – are they better? Are there new faces? Yes. The tight end position went from nothing to something, but these, I like Mutt, uh, Mike Mananski, um, nighttime host on our station, WEEI at one point said like something to the effect. So they're probably not going to be a top five offense or they're pro- like, I said, top five. What the, f- are you smoking? Like, like we'll take top half, top 15, right? Forget the quarterback. I mean, even if it were, well, let's, if it were Tom Brady, I would expect that Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry would have their best years. I'd be like, okay, he's going to make use of his new weapons. But those guys who have been 400 to 600 yard type guys with, I don't know who at quarterback, Mac Jones, Cam Newton, whatever, certainly not a proven passer at quarterback. And then Nelson Aguilar coming off a big play year, but not a special year, not a great year in any sense. Kendrick Bourne. It It was a great year. A great year what do you have like 800 yards for him i'm saying yeah for him that's fine for him but if you're talking about him being the centerpiece of the receiving core or I mean, no he's, he's not a number one receiver no well he's your number one receiver he had 48 catches for 896 yards eight touchdowns average 18.7 yards a catch like that's good if you had a, if he averages 18.7 yards a catch that's you take that I would take it, but if he's my leading receiver with 40-something catches, we're not that good. Well, that's the way that people are looking at it, though, that you're going to have a bunch of guys with those same numbers. Okay, so let's move on to Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Based on your comments, you weren't overly impressed. He can't catch the ball. Or let me rephrase that. He didn't catch the ball well today. And one of my sources on the ground who watches a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo games told me that consistently catching the ball was an issue for Kendrick Bourne at times in San Francisco. He had some drops. So I didn't like to see that because does it get easier when you get pads on and the defense is closer and they're more contested catches? Like I'm just didn't love my first taste of Kendrick Bourne's hands. Myers, anything new with him? Uh, I still think he might be your best receiver. And that's not good. No. Like, I love him. I was going to say, I, no offense to Cody Myers. He, he's a great number three, number four receiver. But when you're asking to be your number one, that's where you're in trouble. We saw that last year. 
and not only production wise, but um, we should mention, and we might get into some various other um, snippets from this, but we had access. We talked to the assistant coaches this week and Mick Lombardi was talking about Jacoby Myers growth as a player system, but also growth as a person. He wants to be more of a leader. He's sort of picking up from some of the things that he learned under Julian Edelman for years. Like, are we suddenly talking about Jacoby Myers is the, the guy? I hope not. And he's a guy that I still think, for whatever reason, I'm not sure the coaches have faith in. Because for two years, they haven't shown that. Like, he didn't blow up last year until Edelman was gone. I was like, going to say, people, people forget last year, he didn't play until Edelman was hurt and Harry was hurt. Right. So maybe they've said, wow, this guy just won't go away. Maybe we do need to. I, but then they go get Kendrick Bourne, and I'm like, there's sort of a replication of who they are. They're similar. I don't know. You're right. The, the bottom line is there are a crap load of questions with the wide receiver position. We knew that, but we're also sort of seeing it like Kendrick Bourne, my first taste of him. Nah, not great. Not necessarily a guy I go, oh, wow. They found a diamond in the rough. He didn't have the right home out there. New fate. Oh, boom. Nope. Didn't feel like that. Gunner had an ugly drop today. Didn't look rough. I don't even really think Gunner's a receiver. No offense. I was going to say he's kind of, he is what he's been for his entire career. A nice guy to have on the roster. He's probably not going to an all pro. He's a, a good guy to have. Sure. But he's not anybody you can count on uh, to have 50 catches. Okay. I'm going to say something somewhat silly and somewhat serious. If you made me bet my mortgage on like a singular play and you said, you can pick Tom Brady, you can pick, and then you got to pick one of these receivers to get you your first down or your touchdown. You know who I would have picked from the field today? Who? I don't know what his title is necessarily. I think it's assistant running backs coach, but he spends a lot of time with the wide receivers, Troy Brown. Yeah. That's who I'd put more stock in than any of these other guys that, you know who I kind of like though. I I mentioned it to you guys, Trey Nixon. I got a liking for him. Skinny, but he can run. His hands looked pretty good to me in comparison to the others today. He wasn't wasn't dropping passes. Nope. So Trey Nixon is my early guy to watch at the wide receiver position. And I think that that's fair. And you're not the only one that has that opinion. I think he could be a guy that surprises people and makes a team. Like that'd be, that'd be a good story. Well, and it's, it's, it's a wide open, it's a wide open competition. Like I, no question. I mean, not only I competition to make the roster, but to like be the number one receiver and get the most snaps. Right. Like Aguilar is going to be on the team because they paid him. Born to, I would imagine. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're, you know, when you you're out there with two tight ends, and there's two receivers on the field. That doesn't mean it has to be those two. It could be Jacoby Myers, Trey Nixon, and you could see Nelson Aguilar on the sideline and then certain big play situations he comes in or whatever. Yeah, I do think those roles are are wide open. And um, another interesting comment I thought out of Mick Lombardi, he went over the top on Julian Edelman praise. Going to be missed every single day within the building, which I'm not sure Bill Belichick likes that kind of talk. I'd be interested to see if Probably he read not. those quotes and said, ah, Mick, why don't we pump the brakes a little bit here? Yeah, he, he, he retired months ago. Like, we, we moved on. Can we move on? <laughs> yeah, so. Um, yeah, you were going to say something else. I don't know. I was distracted, so. Oh, all on. right. Um, guys who weren't there, do you want to, do you make a big deal of, like, of the people that, who is the guy that wasn't there that you're kind of like, why wasn't he there? Uh, there's a few. Well, I. There's a few that I, I think are key, not theirs. Yep. Uh, I would start with Sony Michelle. Yep. Um, I don't But really to be under- fair, the only running backs that are there, J.J. Taylor and Tyler Gaff. 
Yeah, but the running backs that matter, like Sony Michelle has more he has more questions than anyone, right? I mean, yeah. I know our last taste of Sony Michelle was that he had the best month of his career running the ball, was finishing runs and all these things the end of last year, but he's still a major question mark. And yeah. Damian Harris is out there. He's clearly dealing with something. Um, yeah, I think he, by the looks of it, he had something with his leg. He has a, he has right. a big sleeve on his leg. So whether it was offseason surgery or a touch-up, something's right. going on there. And he finished the year on IR. So, I mean, that's not a surprise. James White is who he is. I don't really care if he's not there. Uh, Brandon Bolden is not on my radar. So I don't really care if it's he's not, not really there. a running back. He's more of a special team. Right. So the guy, I mean, Stevenson is another one that, I mean, like another that. weird one that has been out there according to the team pictures, but not when we're there. Right. Um, the, but Sony Michelle, like you're in a contract year. They didn't pick up your, your fifth year option. You're a first round pick. Who's going to be looking for work potentially after the season. You are coming off a nice month to end last year. I'd like to see you build on that. I'd like to see some excitement. Oh, and by the way, you, you want to evolve, or there's this idea you could evolve into more of a weapon in the passing game. This is, is when passing happens. We saw it today. Like the first, there were checkdowns to JJ Taylor, yeah. checkdowns to Gaff. Like that's a big part of this. And I don't know what Sony Michelle's story is. Like I look on Instagram and he's like posting all these weird things. He's on his golf cart, a souped up golf cart. I, I've never really understood Sony Michelle, whether it's the merchandise, the logo, the, the personality, the like. Yeah, I, I don't really understand it. So he'd be number one on my list of. Uh, not alarming that they're not. Yeah, there, I, I don't know what the word is. Just guys, just people that caught your eye that weren't. And I would put your two high-priced free agents on the same list. Matt Judon. Yeah, apparently Judon. it's Matt. By the way, we're going with Matt. Is that? I think so. Okay, Matt Judon and Johnu Smith. Yep. Like, I mean, I know it's not mandatory. I know how it works. I know all the rules. Blah blah. Oh, and blah. all your other free agents are there. It's kind of like, well, where are these two? And like. Wouldn't you want to get like just you personally? Let's just say Ryan Hannibal gets a new job. They give him good money. Well, I was just going to make the comparison. I thought it was interesting that the McCourty twins, Jason is at Miami Dolphins OTAs. J Devin's not. You can understand why Devin's not, but Jason realizes that he's new to this team. He can probably benefit from that. So I think that's an example of maybe a guy that doesn't need OTAs, but given a situation, it's worth going. And you know, like Devin is the perfect example of, I don't give a rat's ass if he ever comes like he's, he's similar to James White. Um, those kinds of guys doesn't bought like Dante Hightower. I don't really care. Would it be better if he were there because he missed last year, he opted out and this thing hanging over. Oh, is he really coming back? Could he right. retire? Does he? So there's a little question there, but like new guys, young guys make or break guys you should be out there. And I would think you'd want to be out there. You'd want to make a good first impression with your yeah. teammates. And, and even just from a, a learning the system standpoint, like you kind of don't want to go into training camp with some questions on what am I supposed to do here? Exactly. Like if you're at OTAs, you can get some of those questions answered and you're not as behind come July. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything else, whether it's, you know, even when you're in school and you like miss a day, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to fail the semester. Or I can't make, but it just feels like you missed something like somebody right, will reference. Yeah. yeah. Like somebody makes a reference and they're like, yeah, we went over it yesterday. And you're like, Oh yeah, I wasn't here yet. Like not a huge deal. Doesn't mean you can't succeed. You can't get an A on the right. test. That's coming, whatever. It's just, I don't know. It's better if you're there. So yeah, there are a group of guys that certainly 
you wish they were out. What about there. the tackles? Do you care Isaiah Wynn, Trent Brown? Um, not as much. I don't either, just because it's not like you're not hitting. Like how much you're not really- hitting. Yeah. There's not really a lot of questions. Like Trent Brown's the starting right tackle. Isaiah wins the starting left tackle. Like it's not position questions or anything. It's just, they're not out there. That's yeah. I'm not. Plus it's the offensive line. We tend to diminish that and kind of just yep. put them on their own um, area, I guess. Um, while we're talking about the offensive line, we should note that um, Justin Heron left practice very early Um He's a nobody in one sense, but with the questions about like Brown's health, Isaiah's health, like I don't dismiss him as a guy who could be in the mix as a swing tackle could play. So no, I would say he's a, a guy that's probably gonna be on your roster as a depth piece. Right. And with guys ahead of him who have questions about their reliability and availability. Uh we get somebody who might not be on the roster, but we can't really explain like specifics from today's session. Um, we can't explain specifics, but I think we can generally say Josh McDaniels was not happy with Yadney Kajus when he was taking reps at left tackle. No, that's safe. I will not quote anything, but Josh McDaniels made it clear. He wasn't happy with what Yadney Kajus was doing. And to some degree on a more grand scale, what he has been doing for some period of time. And then right bleeping after they go to 11 on 11 and Yadney Kajus false starts at left tackle. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not that's not what we're looking for. No, we'll say Joshua uh, Daniels very animated. Like he continued it from last week, very loud, very vocal. Uh, not very like he had much positive things to say. I don't know if that's like a thing to take away from it at all. But he was very very involved, very vocal, and uh, voicing his displeasure with the offense's performance. Um, yes, and I don't know. To me, that's definitely grown. That's not, hasn't always been that way. Oh, right. Um, so it's no, in that fact, it's notable. I'd also wanted to say, like, it seems like it's always about the group or about the line or about everybody other than the quarterbacks. Yeah, he's never really uh, gone all in on a quarterback. And I think he needs to be careful with that. Like, if I'm a player on the team, oh, we can all get yelled at, but your your boys don't get yelled at? I watched him throw it into the ground. I watched him miss the backside blitz or whatever. So I think he needs to be careful of like, he doesn't have four golden boys who are beyond. Cause I mean, for years, the right, the story was Bill Belichick would chew out Tom Brady. It maybe not even as much as anybody else before anybody else to set the tone. Josh needs to be careful that he doesn't go down the road of he's always yelling at, I don't know, offensive linemen or receivers or tight ends. And not- no, he might, as, he could be doing that. And I'm sure he is in the, in the meeting room, but it's different because those other guys don't see that. He's probably yelling at Yadni Kajus in the meeting room too. And he did it in front of us as well. Right. Right. Um, you're right though. From a guy like uh, Jared Stidham, he's going to make a mistake, but yeah. a receiver might say, well, why aren't you yelling at him? Right. So, I mean, it's interesting. And every year is different with the, the makeup of the team, the leaders, the chemistry, the expectations. So we'll see how that evolves. But Josh is definitely very vocal, very vocal. I thought Mick Lombardi, when he was in front of us, was pretty vocal too um, for his portions of his drills. Uh, Speaking of drills. Okay. So I wrote about this on the website. I don't know if it translated, so I'm going to describe it a little bit more uh, verbally. Um, there's always, I love watching drills, positional drills. It's one of my, cause it, looking how coaches come up with creative new ways to 
get fundamentals, get guys to work on footwork and different things. The, the quarterbacks have been doing a drill and I, I saw it on video before this. And then I saw it in person today. So they take a snap and then they do like, they flip their hips, basically pull a 180. So they're facing the line of scrimmage. All of a sudden they flip to face the other way and throw the ball. And I'm like, when is that ever going to be part of your effort? Like, no, it's a fumble. You just threw the ball away on a lateral. You got to go get it now. Like I, I just, I'm making a sort of jokingly making a bigger deal of it than I really care about, but I am a big believer. Like you kind of practice things as you want them to unfold in a game. You practice. Yeah, I would have to, you'd have to ask like a quarterback footwork guru, like a Jordan Palmer or somebody. Yeah. And say, what can you get from this? And is there no way to, to get a similar work on your hips, work on your footwork? And I don't know, face throw the, line the right way, throw the ball the right direction, like where you actually want to go. Um, so it, that caught my eye. There were, there was a few. There was the other drill they were working on when Cam stopped taking yeah, yeah. yeah, the bags, and they were kind of working on their footwork with the big bag in between their legs. I like those kinds of things. I enjoy those. Did uh, Matt Patricia, he was out there again today. Anything catch Rye? Like, he worked with the defensive lineman again, so I guess that's worth pointing out. Okay. So I'm just going to give our uh, listeners a snippet into um, Andy Hart's short-sightedness or – the way I watch practice. So when stuff happens on the field in front of me, I really pay attention. Um, the offensive linemen who are still in what we used to call Dante's Inferno about a half a mile away, couldn't tell you really anything that went on down there. And then the far field, 50-50 at best, what I see on the far field. And a lot of it is the defenses on that field. So you'll notice if you read my notes, a lot less defensive notes than offensive notes because they're a full flipping field away. Um, so I tend to fixate on the stuff that's happening in front of us on the field. Um, what was the question? Matt Patricia. Yeah. So I didn't see much of Matt Patricia. He was on the far field the whole time. That's what I was getting to. Yeah. It seems like he's working with the defensive line. I don't know. But I think that goes into his, his role. He's not just going to be a front office guy where some people thought was going to be the case. Right. I think he's going to be involved in a lot of different things. And I think Bill was asked about it today. Based, and Bill admitted that replacing Nick Casario is not going to be a one-person type thing. They're going to change the way that they do things. And I, he mentioned Matt Patricia, I think, the first guy he talked about. So I think Matt's role is going to be pretty more – it's going to be more expansive than, say, Mike Lombardi's was in his year or two at the Patriots. Yes, definitely. Because he's definitely – Bill keeps bringing him up in the front office and things that are going on there. That's obvious. But he's also on the field. He is a defensive – coach defensive mind whatever you want to call it um and it definitely seems to be that you know he's working with demarcus covington with the uh the front guys the defensive line whatever it is there i I don't know we also haven't like we don't have a media guide we don't have titles and no all the guys like we have that assistant coach the quarterback's coach who was with the jets and gase like don't know his official title is he the quarterback's coach based on what we've seen probably not but he's on that's the tall guy right yeah tall skinny guy okay yeah so you see him you see Vinny Sanseri, the, the yeah. former linebacker guy out there. Um, like is, is um, I don't even know the answer to this. I probably should. Is uh, Joe Kim still here as like a pass rush specialist defensive? Great question. Uh, I checked the media guy, but we don't have it. Right. And then, you know, you lost Brett Bielema. So there's, I mean, there's moving bodies. There's guys in different roles. I'm, we'll, we'll know more of that, A, when we watch more of these as we get into training camp and you see day in and day out who's working where and doing what. And then once we actually get a media guide with titles and a directory, 
Um, we should also note Ernie Adams apparently still, doesn't like because <laughs> Ernie Adams retired is the exact same as Ernie Adams when he worked for the Patriots. He's on the practice field, just kind of observing towel around his neck, arm folded. So not much has changed there. Uh, something that came to mind today. You think maybe Bill like kind of told them you kind of struggled last year with your challenges. You might be losing it. So maybe step away from that. And then like, you can still stick around and watch practice and, and you know, throw things in my ear, but the stuff on game day, you're, you're out. No. I mean, he might've said that to him, but we don't have to have this flowery, like post draft praise. And, and what is he doing? I, Maybe he wants to help through this process. Maybe some people aren't quite ready yet. Well, like, Scott Discarnecchia helped with the process. When he was retired, he wasn't out on the field every day. Yeah, but it's a little different in the, the role and the transition. I mean, Danny Ainge is sticking around to help Brad Stevens for a little while, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's a good example or a bad example, but um, – yeah, I don't. I wouldn't read too much into it. Now, if he's still there, if we're getting like practice field, he's still there in November, I guess. But why would he doesn't have to retire to no longer be the voice on challenges? Like that could have just happened behind. I just the- don't understand why we went through this whole like big tribute to Ernie, and then he's out there like nothing's changed. Well, maybe they're slowly phasing him out. Maybe he won't be back for training camp. I don't know. Um, that might make a little bit more sense. I just think it's. It's, it's not a big deal to get worked up over the director of football research, but it's just odd. Maybe he wants to see if Trey Nixon's going to be good, his draft well, pick, right? Well, he hasn't spent much time. He's more of the defense. That's, that's true. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. I, I don't know. There are just times when I don't know what they're doing. They have a reason for it. They figure it out for a long time. It worked well. We'll see if it keeps working, but I, I don't always follow their football logic or their staff right. logic, whatever. Uh, anything else you want to hit on that we've missed? Um, I don't think so. That was a pretty comprehensive review. I mean, as I said, weighted towards the offense and the field in front of us, but. And also we should say like, this isn't like a big declaration of how they're going to look come the season. Like this is a snippet of a shorts and t-shirts practice in, in June. Like, yeah, it's not like, just because we say Jared said was the best quarterback on the field today, isn't saying he's number one on the depth chart. And if a game was tomorrow, we'd start him. No, I mean, no, absolutely not. He just looked good. It, a, it wasn't a great day for the passing game. No, it wasn't no. just them. There were a lot of drop passes. Um, Cam Newton left, so you removed one of the guys. Jarrett Stidham, I think, got extra reps because of that. I think he took some of Cam's reps and his own reps and some of those drills, so therefore he had more opportunities to shine. Speaking of opportunities, so we've talked about it a little bit. No running backs are out there except for um, J.J. Taylor and then the recently brought back Tyler Gaffney. You think those guys have a shot to make the roster? Could I mean, Gaffney would be a remarkable story. Like, I think they totally brought him in because they needed somebody for drills who knew the system. Oh, there's 10,000%. That's the reason why. He knows the system. He's not – like, they need somebody to keep the flow of practice going. Oh, you broke up. But then, like, maybe he takes advantage of it, right? Did I break up? Yeah, you did, but you're back. Like, maybe he just takes advantage – you know – opportunity like they didn't sign him planning for x to happen but maybe it ha- i don't know i'm intrigued a little bit by the running back position with the bodies that are not there the bodies that are coming the young bodies the old like i think running back is sneaky interesting i think it definitely benefits jj taylor because it gives him a chance to show things that he wasn't given the chance to do last year like he didn't play much last year now he's basically the guy during these sessions 
and I will say this is his kind of environment, like oh, just okay. passing game shorts. And he is a quick little bastard out there. Like, yeah, because they're not hitting the when they do goal line drills come July. He's he's not taking part in those. Right, right. Um, yeah. So that was just my note, like because I think we think of running back as like set in stone. It's like a Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, James White. Maybe there's a little opportunity for some intrigue at the running back position. I, don't know. I would say that's fair. Um, anything else? We're just going to wrap this up. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, yeah, did, did you have any podcast? We have 40 minutes out of it. Did you have anything out of the, the coaches or Bill Belichick retirement talk this week or? No, I think you hit it on your column. It's kind of ridiculous. And like, why are we assuming like it's not Bill Belichick's not going to pick his successor. Like it doesn't work that way. No, but everybody likes to say that he's going to pick his son or he's going to pick Josh or he's going to pick Patricia. Patricia. And I just don't understand why we're talking about it, too. It's not like it's Coach K where he announced this is his last year and now we're deciding who it is. Like, he's given no indications at all that he's slowing down. Like, you would think he wants to see this thing through and this rebuild and retooled roster through, and we're looking at at least two years minimum. Well, no, bare minimum, we're looking at one year. He right. He's clearly on board for this year. So, to me – who replaces Belichick or is groomed is not as interesting as can Belichick bounce back? Can the Patriots bounce? Can Belichick take a free agency built team and a young quarterback and do something with it? And then after that, whether he succeeds or fails come December and January. Okay. Then maybe we can talk. Oh, he's turning 70 this year. Maybe this is, but in OTAs in June, we're having discussions about, Belichick and retirement and airs. It's just the way the the national media works. They need stuff to talk about. They know the Patriots are always going to get some attention, and so might as well talk about Belichick's future. And by the way, uh, Marvin Hall is officially signed. So, in case you didn't believe Mike Reese's report, um, he's he's out there. Yes. Um, all right. So we'll. Uh, so next, what is it? Next Thursday is the OTA. I believe so. That we're, we're at, so we'll probably have a podcast next Thursday, Friday morning, so late in the week. I, hopefully we're both there again. I would assume we are, based on how we went today, but you can never really assume anything down there. Just nope. sort of, we got the email that we're, we have the confirmation to attend, so we attend. That's right. If, we, if they let us go, we'll go. If they don't, one of us will go, and the other will just, I don't know, sit with his thumb up his ass. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll be back next week. Hope you have a good weekend. Talk to you later. Peace out.